Perpetual Traffic listeners, I would love to invite you to join Train My Traffic Person, which is a 14-week mentorship that I am holding starting January 30th. This is for media buyers, really, no matter your skill level. The beauty of this is that you get direct access to me during this mentorship process um, so that you can have ad copy critiqued, ad creative critiqued, so that when you get stuck, you have someone to talk to. So uh, by the time you're listening to this, we've actually closed the doors um, on Train My Traffic Person, but um, I knew that there would be perpetual traffic listeners out there uh, that would want access to this and that would want to sign up. So we are accepting a few more uh, perpetual traffic listeners at smartmarketer.com forward slash PT. Check that out for more information. If you're interested, sign up as soon as you can because we will be closing the doors on those soon. Um, really excited to uh, lead this mentorship for a second time. And I can't wait to see you guys inside. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello, everybody. Molly Pittman here, and I would like to welcome you to episode 186 uh, of Perpetual Traffic. Uh, This is going to be a really fun episode because in this episode, Ezra Firestone and I are talking about how to succeed with Facebook ads in 2019. Um, So we're going to share some campaigns that have been working really well for us so far this year. Now, this is a recording of a Facebook Live that we did last week, but I thought you guys would find this information really, really helpful. If you would like to watch the video version of this, please visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast and visit the show notes for that recording. Today, we just want to update you guys, give you a little bit of content, show you some examples of some things we've been doing and especially doing in preparation for this year, right? Something that Ezra and I have both figured out, and I think most Facebook advertisers have, is that a lot of stuff changed on Facebook last year. Things are always changing, right? But not the shift that we saw last year. And a lot of that was because of the whole Cambridge Analytica data breach. And Facebook was really in the spotlight from the general public, right? And people, there was a lot of scrutiny, right? There was almost a a lack of trust, you know, from the public towards Facebook. And so they've realized that they have to make changes way more than just releasing new features for us advertisers, right? Like they kind of need to change their model in a way. And so what we've seen across the board is that things are definitely changing. And and the reason for that is that Facebook's algorithm is now very much optimizing towards social proof and the experience of the end user. Because they realize that if you know, the end user doesn't like the ads they're seeing, they're probably going to spend less time on Facebook, right? So what we've seen is that strategies that used to work in the past, like super direct response stuff, um, it's really hard to find success with that nowadays, right? So we just wanted to show you guys some examples of what is working right now. And, you know, just some of the changes that we've seen and what that means for you guys. Is that what you're thinking as? I want to comment real quick on like any time. So you and I have been in this game a long time. I've been running ads online since 05. It was Dang. Google AdWords. It was Pinterest and Facebook, you, Display Network, whatever. But 
every time there's a major change, people freak out. But mm-hmm. actually, it's an opportunity because the reason that Facebook is changing is so that they can serve their customers, i.e. every other every person who's not running ads. Totally. Better, right? And so yep. it's better for us, actually, as marketers to have folks who are engaging with Facebook like regular folks who are not marketers, happier with the platform and happier with the ads that they're seeing and, and, and having their feedback about ads incorporated into the ad algorithm, which is, you know, the simple way of saying this is story, content, simple, real, social proof, engagement, all the stuff we're going to be talking about. It's like real connections with real people about stuff they actually care about. And it's not old school by my Totally. And, you know, we've seen this change happen over the last five to seven years, but now it's like no longer an option. So, you know, really the two big changes, the first one we talked about is social proof, right? And being personal, everything that that Ezra just said, you know, a few years ago, Facebook rolled out a relevance score, which is a score from one to 10 that basically tells you how well your ad is relating to the audience. How how are they responding? You know, do, do they like this ad? Are they having a good experience? And now that is more important than ever. And really the metrics that Facebook has to judge, to come up with that relevance score, uh, mostly comes back to social proof, right? So people sharing your ad, people reacting to your ad, people commenting on your ad, that's more important than it ever has been in the past. And the other thing to the, the second point we really want to make is that Facebook has gotten a lot smarter over the last year too, probably exponentially smarter than I've ever seen the algorithm develop, but they've gotten smarter. So that has really changed our strategy around things like audience sizes, right? You guys will hear Ezra and I talk about this more in a few weeks, but I dove into his ad account for Boom and you know, Ezra had all this really advanced targeting setup. I was very proud of this, by the way. (laughs) Very proud. And it was awesome. But the problem was that your audiences were so small. Facebook was really having trouble optimizing your ads, especially because you were mostly optimizing for conversions, right? So then we broaden those audiences out and you start to get more traction and a lot more volume, right? So what's interesting is like two years ago, I remember Ezra, you and I recorded a video about targeting for one of your trainings. And I've always taught targeting to be very, very specific, right? And I still think you have to be specific in your targeting research, right? And understanding your market. But if you're launching an ad set that has like 50,000 people in it, and you're not a local business, Facebook's going to have trouble with that because they just don't know what to do with such a small audience size. So now some of my ad sets have 30 million people in them, right? Two or three years ago, I would have been like, no, don't do it, right? Because Facebook wasn't as smart then. They needed you to tell them exactly who to show the ad to. So I think it's really two things. It's number one, everything is about social proof. And I'm about about to show you an example of that. And not just social proof, but what you talked about as like being personal, right? It's more important now than ever for your ads to really look and feel like a native uh, post, right? If you guys go to my Facebook page, I posted a few days ago, a screenshot of someone who saw one of Ezra and I's ads. And I'll show it to you here in a minute, but it was a story. We just told a, a story in this ad. And the person commented that, 
they saw the post, they read the story, they were really compelled and they were feeling guilty because they were like, I don't remember meeting Molly. Like, I don't know when we became Facebook friends. (laughs) Like, how do I not remember this person? And then he realized, this is an ad, right? And so even if you were a brand and not a personal or public figure, this is so, so important. So this is a campaign that I recently ran, and this was for a docuseries about the ketogenic diet. Really good time of year to run ads for this type of offer, right? Just because people are looking to get in shape and get healthy. But the way that I ran this campaign will show you, you know, what we mean by the two points that I just made. But the first thing I want you guys to notice and why I think this works so well was back to using larger audience sizes, especially after you have some data on your pixel, right? After Facebook really has a good idea of who this person is that's taking this action. So you can see that we're getting people to opt in here. We just set up a custom conversion on the landing page. So you'll see that I have seven ad sets here. These are all to cold traffic. And this time last year, I probably would have had 50 ad sets, right? Because I was trying to make the audience sizes small, make the audiences very specific. But these are much bigger because Facebook has gotten smarter and the bigger audiences are actually allowing me to scale at a very quick rate. Those 50,000 leads that I told you about were generated in just 12 days. Before last year, using older strategies, it probably would have taken me twice as long. This first ad set as I mean, this has 35 million people in it, right? And I'm just using audience targeting, interest targeting here, which is something I love to teach and talk about. We go really in depth inside of train my traffic person. There are a few people who just through doing the targeting exercises that I taught in the course were able to cut their CPA in half just from better targeting, right? But targeting is everything. But you'll see, since this is the keto diet, I'm targeting Atkins diet, you know, different interests around the keto diet, apps that they're using, ketone bodies. So this is all about ketosis and, and the Atkins diet. You can see that this other ad set here you know, this one's a little bit over 5 million. So it's smaller, but it's still bigger than I would have used before. And this one, uh, this is interest all around GMOs. What I found is that people that are really passionate about well, against GMOs, they're interested in the keto diet. This one performed really well, but I definitely had to spend a lot of time on interest research to find some of these, these interests. These didn't just, you know, come off the top of my head, right? So back to the idea of social proof. Before, you know, we might have tested 10 different ads in, an, in each ad set, right? I even see people test 50, 60, 70 ads in an ad set. And that can be okay when you're testing. But when you're wanting to scale like I did here, the more ads that you produce, the more that you're distributing your social proof across different post IDs, right? Which is not good for you. Like that's not what you want to do. You want to keep that relevance score high. You want to try to aggregate as much social proof as possible. So inside of each ad sets, I have the same two ads. 
only two ads. And the reason for that is because I want to aggregate this social proof. And the real reason, other than the targeting, that this campaign was such a success was because of the social proof, right? You see over 21,000 reactions, 11,000 shares, which I said, that's the most important aspect. And you can see here that our share to reaction ratio is about 50%, which is really, really good. If your hey, Molly, ratio... Can you- touch base on that a little bit, go a little, go a little bit deeper on the share to reaction ratio and like ways that people can encourage shares, comments, likes. Totally. So the share to reaction ratio is something that Facebook's looking at to look at the strength of the social proof, right? And so if it's 20, 30, 40, 50%, that is really, really good. And what I mean by that is, you know, the amount of shares compared to the amount of reactions, right? So 11 divided by 21, you know, rough math, that's about 50% ratio, right? And so this is something that Facebook's definitely looking at and also comments, but more so share to reaction. And so you don't want to ask people directly to share your material or to share your ad, you know, in the ad, because it takes away from your CTA and it's against, you know, terms of service. But if you use an ad that feels very native, so it either feels like a personal story that could help someone else, right? Because think about it. Why is someone sharing something? They're sharing something because they want other people to see it, right? They want their friends to see it. They think that it is valuable enough of a message that their friends should also see that post. Or they're sharing it because they feel like it's a reflection of themselves. And so if you can appeal to either of those reasons that someone would share, they're going to share, even if you don't directly say, share this ad. And so for example, here, this is almost a four minute video that's a trailer for this film. There's content in this video. Like you could get value just from watching this video, right? The author's great. It's a free viewing. We're not asking them to buy anything. This is very shareable. The goal is engagement, sharing, and also having people consume so that they're willing to take the next step, which is clicking the ad and going off to the landing page. If you're going to be an advertiser in 2019 and you want to get results, you have to get this, that old school, super loud, aggressive ads are not going to get reach. They're not even going to get served. Like the goal now is reach optimization. So the goal, I mean, what I mean by that is you want to set your ads up from the beginning so that Facebook will show them to people. And Molly tore down my ads, <laughs> she tore my ads campaign apart. We, have, we, we run it, we spend millions and millions of dollars a year on some ads, we do a really good job, but we were actually sabotaging ourselves in terms of not even being able to get reach, which Molly will explain now here in a minute. This is another really awesome example of this, right? So this is, uh, so I'm not quite sure about the, it looks like a game of clue for adults, right? So what you can see already is the social proof is great, 
right? The shares could be higher, but dang, there are a lot of comments here. There are more comments than there are reactions. And they've used this very personal photo. So I sent this to John Grimshaw earlier as, and he said, wow, I thought for a second that was like one some of my friends, you know, like that's a photo that I would scroll through my newsfeed and think that a friend posted this. So it's not super salesy. It's not a product image of this game, right? And all the pieces and cards that come with it. It's just two people that catch your attention. It looks very native. And this ad copy is pretty native too, right? It's not too salesy. And they're getting a ton of social proof. And that's why this is working. Another example. So I'll show you guys this other ad that we ran. It was very simple just testing a bit of different copy and a different video variation. But again, this works so well. Look, 8.2 thousand shares, you know, 13,000 reactions, almost 3,000 comments. This was really easy to have success with because as soon as we launched the campaign, you know, these were ads that I ran last year right? And so I just grabbed those post IDs, as you can see right here, and used the same ads that I was using last year. And they came out of the gate. It's January. Ad traffic is as cheap as it's going to be all year. Facebook is really optimizing for social proof. I gave them some big yet very targeted audiences to play with. And this was a dream campaign because it came right out of the gate just hot right? Because it already had about half of the social proof than you see here from last year. So Facebook was like, wow, people must love this. The targeting was good. They had enough room to breathe. This was a huge success. And then another example, these are the ads that Ez and I ran to the webinar that we did last week. And so these you know, we hadn't done that before. So we didn't have ads that already had social proof on them. And so we didn't have social proof to leverage. So what we did, we used the same strategy, but we had four ad sets, but they were pretty big, right? Like pretty big audience sizes. And then within each of these, again, just two ads. And what you'll notice is how personal these ads are. I had people see the two ads that I'm about to show you and again, think that they were personal posts. This was a picture we took last month. We never meant to use it in an ad but it was great. You know, you're close up. Whenever you see humans this close up to the camera, it's very natural to stop. But again, it looks super personal. It looks very native. And I'm telling a story about the campaign that I just told you guys about and that we were hosting a training and that we wanted to, you know, teach you guys what we had learned. Again, social proof really matters. Uh, this one didn't get as much as the other one, but, you know, we got a lot of comments. Shares could have been higher, but all around pretty good metrics here. And then the other one is even more story-based. And again, a very native photo that we, Colleen took this last year, never meant to have been an ad, right? Like notice that Ezra and I aren't using like professional photos that a photographer took of us. Like there's a time and place for those, but this works so well because it looks so native. And then here, you know, I'm just telling a story about, you know, I was a bartender in Kentucky. Then I moved to Austin. I started working at DM, went out on my own, you know, launched, trained my traffic person with Ezra. So this is motivational to people. They want to celebrate up in the others. Game 
came up in the game and then how that relates to our offer. Right. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be about you, of course, like you can also tell stories about your customers. But what is beautiful and what works about this is how native this looks. It's a story. It's a photo. And again, we have a lot of engagement here. 46 sh shares, you know, 169 comments. And a lot of people are just giving their feedback, right? Uh, people love the course. People are proud of us. People love the story, right? Ryan says, who are we? <laughs> um, but I, texted, I texted him about that. Um, I thought it was really funny. I'm going to hop in to our Facebook ads account here. And I'm going to open up a campaign, which is our top line. And I want to show you that in the last 30 days, this campaign has spent $365,000 to generate, let's see, 8,700 purchases at 41 bucks a pop, which is really, really good for us. We're happy with that. Now we, we had been, but we had been running to Everyone in America who was a woman who was over 45, no targeting. And Molly said, hey, maybe you ought to actually introduce some targeting groups here. Now, I want Molly to explain. I'd love for you, Molly, if you could explain why you asked us to introduce targeting groups. Of course. You know, what's interesting, the both launches that I just showed you, both campaigns I just showed you had an ad set in it that had no targeting, right? Because both pixels were seasoned and that could work. But what's interesting is that people think when they reach the point of I can use no targeting, that that's the only targeting that they should use because you know, we're targeting all of America, right? But the issue is that with that is that you're actually only reaching a small part of your market when you do that. Because when you use no targeting and then you use the conversion objective, like you are, Ezra, Facebook's looking at everyone who has, you know, engaged with that objective before, right? Everyone who's purchased from Boom in the past. And they're creating a data profile off of what does that person look like? okay, now let's go out and find more of these people, right? That's why the no targeting can work. But like I said, yes, you'll be able to reach those people, but you're missing out on a huge part of your market of people that just don't fit that data profile that Facebook's looking for, right? And so I'm saying you need to do it all, right? No targeting, lookalikes like you see Ezra using, they're becoming more powerful than they were last year and interest targeting like you guys saw me using in the keto docuseries launch. So something that Ezra and I are going to be working on in the next few weeks is getting some interest targeting for Boom, right? Because imagine the ad sets he has right now are just lookalikes. So we add the no targeting back in its own ad set. And then we add, you know, five to 10 ad sets with some big interest targeting. And Ezra, this is even more scalable than before, right? It's crazy. But Last year, you guys were getting similar CPAs, but your volume was so much lower because you were only limited to the people that matched up to that data profile, you know, from people who had purchased. So right. now by adding all of this other targeting, it's just allowing you to scale in a much bigger way. Yeah, we had limited our ability to reach people in our audience and we thought we were reaching, we thought, 
hey, Facebook, give us everyone in America. But since we were optimizing for a purchase on our Facebook pixel, Facebook was only giving us people they thought would purchase and we were missing out on a whole bunch of other people. Now, I want to add a counterpoint. So Molly was talking about super personal, super non-professional imagery, which is great. However, if you have compelling imagery that resonates with your target market, that has them feel good and represents them, that that can also work. I want to explain to you the concept of a super lookalike. So you'll notice the names here on these targetings is 1% super, 2% super, and we're still running to women over 45 in the United States. Let me explain to you what a super lookalike is, and then I'll show you the ads. So a super lookalike is, real quick, for those of you that don't know what a lookalike is, a lookalike is where you upload your customer list and you say, hey, Facebook, give me a group of people who look similar to this group of people. You upload your email list or you do it with your Facebook fan page. You say, all my fans or anyone who's ever watched a video, you can create what's called a lookalike audience based on any data point that Facebook has. People who visited, viewed your videos, people who are fans of you. So a super lookalike is a 1% lookalike. So it's giving you the top 1% of people who look like uh, fans, <laughs> buyers, subscribers, whatever, and all in one ad set. So look at this. This is what a super lookalike is. It's all of our 1% lookalikes, buyers, purchasers, lifetime customer value, uh, all time and we're excluding buyers. So we have three lookalikes in one audience. We call that a super lookalike. So look at this. Relevance score is 10. I'm going to zoom in on this so you can see this. It is very, very, very difficult to achieve a relevance score, this thing right here, of 10. Now let's look at this ad. Simple headline, call to action, beautiful image, Head, uh, layover, and then call to action that says, ditch the eyeshadow. That is, for those of you that maybe are not in the cosmetic space, there's this debate about eyeshadow and whether you should use it if you're over 50. We have at our brand some opinions on that. And so we share those <laughs> and that's very controversial. And, and so all these comments are like, what do you mean ditch the eyeshadow? So people are kind of yeah. in an uproar about that. And and as really quick too, the reason this works so well is that you're giving really good content, you know? Yes. Like I said, you either need to give content, like that's more of what the keto docuseries was, right? It wasn't from Naomi, like I built this docuseries because this is my mission. You know, I went more the content route with that. And people are seeing, oh, he's giving me five makeup tips and it's a little controversial. So people want to comment holy crap, you know, now you've got all of this social proof and, you know, it's keeping your relevance scores high. So this ad worked extremely well. We have a really beautiful, nice headshot that is representative of the women that we're targeting. You'll notice that in our ads, we use people's faces that represent the people that we're attempting to target. We find that there's nothing more compelling than a person's face, it seems. It's nice to look at people's faces. And Molly, it's kind of funny, our ads also had people's faces in them. Yep. They are using professional imagery. We're doing high quality design on them. We're, we found text layovers and colored backdrops 
with a person's face, as you just saw, to work extremely well. Now we have conversational ad copy. We link to content. We're not just trying to sell. When we're getting people's attention. Now, if they've seen our products, we're going to run ads that are about our products. And Ezra, and that's such a good point too, especially when it comes to this social proof, storytelling, content giving strategy we're talking about, that is the most important at the top of the funnel, right? Especially to cold audiences. You're retargeting ads, the relevant scores still matter, but it's a bit of a different game when you get deeper in the funnel. Right. Totally. So it matters most on the front end when you're wanting to get all of this reach. I mean, Ezra, you said you've spent like $300,000. I, I can't see your screen, but I think that's what you said on that campaign. I don't think after doing our review, you spent that much in any month last year, possibly. Definitely not on one campaign or one <laughs> ad like that. Definitely right? not on so, one campaign. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, you know, we talked about this in December. Ezra and his team deployed it. And then, you know, I saw you last week and you were like, yo, I've never seen something scale like this. Right. And I really think it was just those few tweaks. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent opening up that audience funnel. A good portion of my audience is e-commerce business owners because I, that's my business model and that's what I talk about. and That's what I share. And so I have been very anti doing lead, email lead generation as a front end acquisition model for an e-commerce business. Not anti in terms of not having seen that work because some people do it and it works, but anti in terms of like my goal is always to set up a sales process that is story-based ad content consumption to sale. I don't want to, and then while they're in my sales process, if they visit my uh, pre-sell article or if they visit my sales page, sure, I have the opportunity to collect an email. I have exit intent. I have card abandonment. I have email in the process, but I'm not leading with give me your email address and let me follow up with you because I'm only selling a $50 product or a $100 product. Whereas like with a more expensive item, you need a longer sales cycle. So you lead with the email, you build the relationship, and then you offer a sale. I have changed that view. And now I hold the viewpoint, and I'm going to show you this, that it is beneficial after I look at my metrics over the last five years, I can tell you there is no more profitable source of visibility than people who are on my email list. Because people get on my email list, I send them content, and then every occasionally I say, hey, I have a product you might like. And so I've started running some lead generation campaigns. And the first one is a giveaway, and I wanna show it to you real quick. And if you're a woman over 50 on Facebook, you've seen my ads like seven times. I've reached every woman in America and Canada over the last five years. I've spent like $15 million on advertising for this brand and they all know who we are. They may have not bought from us yet. So we have this giveaway campaign here. Now, this is saying, hey, you get a free gift. You know, you can get enter your email address to get a free boomstick. This week we're giving one away. Just enter your email address. Headline shows off our product. Nice blue background. You'll notice we're big fans of colored background. We tell them there's four ways to win and no way to lose. And then you'll notice that real quick, it's got good comments. It's got, a, what is that? Like a 25% share ratio, engagement to share ratio. Mm -hmm. So the point that I wanted to make is two things. Once you actually enter your email address, we put you on an automation flow. And I'm gonna show you that real quick. And that automation, sends you an email and this is what that email looks like. 
It just says, hey, outstanding, you're in. Uh, we're going to let you know if you win. And you can go over and check out the offer while you're waiting to find out if you win. Now, I want to show you something interesting. Big shout out to an error my social media manager made. My social media manager, Laura, who you'll meet on the Smart Marketer blog, made a mistake. And it turned out to be a real good one. And I told Laura, I'm not trying to call her out or shame her or anything. It's like, in email marketing, if you don't send the wrong email to everyone at least once, you're not doing email marketing. How many times have I sent smart marketer emails to Boom? It's just like, <laughs> Ezra, not a good deal. Ezra messaged me a few days ago. I had the wrong URL linked up to an ad. It, totally. it happens to all it of happens. us. <laughs> okay, but let me show something. If I look at the analytics, why are there $500 in sales on this email? It doesn't make any sense. It's not a sales email. You just entered a giveaway. Well, it turns out that the mobile version here, this mobile version, so Klaviyo, what we use, has a different editor for the mobile version of the email. And so Laura had accidentally left the mobile version from the old campaign because we duplicate campaigns. And the mobile version was from a previous giveaway. So after the giveaways, everyone who doesn't win, we say, hey, you didn't win, but here's 10% off. And we make a bunch of revenue from the people who didn't win. And then everyone goes on our email list and we send them content and now they're a part of our database. But, but what happened was everyone on mobile received an email that said, hey, you didn't win, but here's 10% off. And so what we discovered was that instead of waiting to tell people that they can get 10% off, is immediately after they enter the giveaway, we're going to say, hey, in case you don't win, here's 10% off. And then some people will win. And then the ones who don't will say, hey, by the way, you didn't win. Here's your discount. So yeah, I'm, well, and you're generating these leads and you have a way to monetize them. I mean, you know, because you have such a strong email strategy that you are going to monetize those leads, but it's cool to see like a simple giveaway have such, you know, a return immediately, right? It's crazy. And yeah. Thanks, anyway. Laura. <laughs> yeah, Laura. So I'm all yeah. for email marketing. You'll see a lot more email lead gen campaigns from As, us coming up. And I think that's what's been cool about us working together because I come from, you know, I, I've run e-commerce ads before, definitely more so in the last year, but I come from a, a place of lead gen, right? And you come from a place of, of more of an e-com strategy, but we've been able to like mold those together. Um, and I'll show this campaign. And I don't know if you got the idea to do lead gen from boom, when you realize like what we were able to do even in the B2B market, right? But it's always good to have a lead gen campaign running for your brand if you can afford it, because it's just building that email list. You and can the email list is in every business model, the most valuable asset. Absolutely. So I think that this has worked because number one, this comes from a place of we really want to help you guys. And when you sit down and you go to that place of how can I best help the end user, I promise you your copy will be much better. Like that's just a fact. Um, but also if you can think about how do I turn this into a story, even if I'm just asking them to download a PDF, there can always be a story, no matter whether it's coming from a public figure, you know, or a brand. 
we've talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the video, but Ezra and I are about to teach another class of train my traffic person. So we held our first class at the end of last year. Yeah, it was probably one of the best experiences I've had in my career. So fun because it's a mentorship. Like you said earlier, Ezra, like you join the class, you fill out an intake form so that I can get to know you, your business, what you're really wanting out of the course. And then this course is taught live, right? It's not just videos that are being repurposed. This course is taught live and really crafted around uh, the needs of the students. So uh, we added a payment plan, a three pay payment plan to make it easier for you guys. And we will be accepting students up until the end of day Monday, unless we get to a point where we we feel like the class is too big to serve everybody. But head over to smartmarketer.com forward slash Molly. I would love to have you guys. It's a really fun course. Mentorship, yeah, and- class, <laughs> experience. <laughs> Hey guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. It was such a blast to record. To check out the full video, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.